Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. I'm Jonathan, your host, and here at Redbeard Outdoors, I talk about faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors because I want to live a happier, healthier, more successful life, and I want the same for you. So as I'm on my journey, I want to share with you the wonderful conversations that I get to have with some great individuals that have accomplished success continuously in their life and are consistently getting better, applying these four principles into their lives of faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors in different ways. And I'm hoping that throughout these conversations, I can pick up and learn information from each of these individuals and also share it with you. With that being said, today's guest is Bert Soren from Sorenex and even more so Sorenex Outdoors. Uh, he has such an amazing company that his dad and him have built with the team that they have, just an amazing group of individuals. If you guys are looking for someone who knows their stuff when it comes to fitness, uh, definitely go check out their gear. Uh, definitely go, go follow their pages. I'll leave all the links down below so you can go check their stuff out. Whenever I build my gym, I will more than likely be getting Sornex equipment because it's just top notch. So before we get into this great conversation I have with Bert, which goes a completely different way than I thought it would. I had all these questions kind of in my mind's eye of what I wanted to ask, and we went a completely different direction, which blew my mind and was awesome. A even better conversation than I had planned. So and that's why I love podcasting, guys, and I get to share those conversations with you. Now, before we get into that conversation, just a quick shout out to our show partners and affiliates. First Form, First Form Outdoors, guys, just amazing community. Go join the community if you're on Facebook. The link is down below. If you're not on Facebook, if you're on Instagram, go follow them. If not, let me know. I'd love to get you in on the weekly calls that happen every Wednesday night. Also, Redbeard's Fit Crew. If you're on Facebook, come join us over at Redbeard's Fit Crew. I'd love to help you out through your journey as, again, we all are in that search of a happier, healthier, more successful life. Alpenfuel and Heather's Choice are my go-tos when it comes to backcountry nutritional needs. Definitely check them out. Uh, their gluten-free options are amazing. It definitely don't want to be torn up in the backcountry with your gut, so go check them out. Black Ovis. If you're looking for everything from glassing equipment to backpacks to boots, clothing, I mean, there's it's just a smorgasbord of things over there at Black Ovis, amazing company, definitely go check them out in the link down below, and uh, all in digiscoping, best digiscoping option on the market, A3 Archery Bowstrings are the bowstrings that I've run for the last year and a half, and will continue to run because they are just amazing definitely send me a message if you have questions on that. Cryptech, best gear from the backcountry to the battlefield and vice versa. Also day-to-day -day stuff, guys. Their jackets are amazing. Their t-shirts, their pants, uh, just everything is great quality, high quality equipment there from Cryptech. Kestrel glassing systems, Quattro archery stabilizers, Absolute Aid CBD, and of course, Affect Beard Oil for those itchy beards, long beards, short beards, whatever kind of beard, definitely go check out Affect Beard Oil. All right, guys, now let's get into this conversation here with Bert and Sorenex Outdoors. All right, everyone, I've got an amazing guest here. We've got Bert Soren from Sorenex and Sorenex Outdoors. You guys might be familiar with the awesome gym builds that they do, 
and uh, that's kind of what piqued my interest. And then I saw how much of a badass Bert was and wanted to get him on the podcast so he could talk to us a little bit about what he does and why the outdoors pulls him so much and also uh, kind of his journey through strength training, weightlifting. He's a, a college athlete. He's got a lot of stuff going on that he's accomplished. And so, uh, Bert, I guess to start off, who are you for those that don't know who you are? Uh, thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate you having me on the show. Um, <clears throat> I'm a guy who had a slow start, but uh, I tend to not give up on things. Uh, I think that's probably a good way to put it. Um, I have a, a limited basis of things that I'm probably better than average at, and most of those things are because I've done them for 10 years or more. So I, I, I'm a little bit of, uh, I, you know, I think if, if I could do it, most people could do it. I think I've succeeded in many times in life because I, Whatever I like, I stick with it, and I and I go after it hard, and I and I don't expect success anytime soon. So um, I guess that's the uh, esoteric answer. <laughs> um, my name is Bert Soren. I'm president and co-owner of Sorenex Exercise Equipment. That's family-owned business. We've been around for 43 years. Uh, my father and I own it, and uh, we we just live in the world of strength and human performance, and. Um, and in some ways, like Sornex Outdoors is just a natural extension of, you know, where strength, Sornex was a natural extension of my dad, who was into strength and conditioning um, and loved weightlifting. Sornex was also an extension for me, but then my dad and I are both into hunting and have been forever. So um, it just, I started doing more Western style hunts and things like that. And I just was like, hey, I'm not in the, in the sporting world anymore personally and so I wanted to train for something and training for a, a high desert mule deer hunt I started looking at the physical uh, requirements for it and then things like that so well gosh I think there's a lot of people doing it well and I think there's a lot of things that people could potentially do better um, pulling back to my strength and conditioning basis and, and group of influence and so that's where kind of the idea of Sornex Outdoors was born just as a natural progression of generally what I'm into. So yeah, for sure. Kind of it. I'm a dad, I'm a husband, uh, try to be a friend to, to those, uh, people in my life. And it's kind of what I'm about. Simple. Right. So it sounds like you've got a lot that you're balancing and it's uh, it's, it's a constant balancing act. That's for sure. Um, you know, to be honest with you, it, it's really cool to me to see, cause going personally for myself, I was never a, a college athlete, but, um, you know, constantly being involved in sports and, and loving being in the gym, just weightlifting has been a part of my life since junior high school, pretty much. And, cool. uh, and seeing how companies such as yourself and First Form Outdoors and other companies along those lines are branching out and, and explaining to people, whether you're a whitetail hunter, whether you're a Western hunter, uh, whatever kind of hunter you are, or even just to enjoy the outdoors more, it's really imperative to be able to be more mobile, to have more strength, do some weightlifting, do a little bit of cardio, you know, get all of that mixed in so you can enjoy the outdoors for not just enjoy it more now, but also enjoy it for a longer period of time uh, in your life because you want to prolong life as long as possible. Sure. Enjoy your kids, your family, the outdoors, everything along those lines. So I, I love that that was kind of a natural branching off of Sornex for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's a good way to put it. You know, I'm in love in two ways with the outdoors or with sports or with anything i love the process but i also love the product uh, the the outcome I, I think you know sometimes 
there's a balance. You know, some people are about, let's say the product of hunting will be the kill or the harvest or whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, some people are super hyper-focused on they got to fill a tag or maybe it's even they got to get a buck or a bull or maybe it's even a certain size or whatever that may be. And, you know, I think it's become popular in some ways to kind of down that, if that makes sense, to say like, ah, oh, you shouldn't matter. It's, it's, it's always on the process and the process like, yeah, I get that because <laughs> we don't want to go so far into, um, you know, into like a trophy hunting only kind of thing or, you know, or like, hey, well, I'll do this at all costs. If I spend this much money, I could get this bull because this guy, whatever. Personally, I don't really care. Um, if someone wants to spend $100,000 <clears> and hunt a private ranch and have a guy basically watch that bull for him all summer and call him and tell him, get your butt up here and shoot it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Like, seriously, if, if that's what you choose to do, fine. Um, so that's product-based, as I would say. And then process-based would be going and doing the work. And then some people are like, I don't even care if I, if I kill anything. I just like hunting. I go, oh okay in my opinion that's kind of like we're playing a sport we don't really keep score or care if we actually get a goal like i think Mm -hmm. in reality i personally believe you kind of got to be somewhere in the middle you don't got to be you don't got to do shit really but you know I, i guess for my what i prefer is to be in the middle i set expectations relatively high for my success based on where i think my um skill set is or where I'm I'm hunting or where the area is or whatever I have set realistic expectations generally on the higher end of the expectation profile of that area because I want to achieve something more difficult and if I don't tag out I'm pissed and I think that's okay to be pissed I enjoyed my hunt but I also went after it with a goal in mind and just like when I was throwing mm-hmm. I loved or lifting I loved weightlifting. I loved training, but you better know that I knew how much weight was on the bar. Like I wasn't just like, I like exercising and moving around and, <laughs> and expand and expending energy. It's like, no, there was a goal in mind, you know? And so that's where I think people, I think it's a little bit of BS personally on both sides of the equation. People like it has to be bigger. I'm not interested. Or other people like, I don't even care what I do. I'm going to take my bow for a hike. I'm like, well, <laughs> Interesting. So again, that's just my personal thing. So that's where I see the, 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 the correlating parallels between that and sport. There's people that, yeah, I love training. I loved all the stuff, but I like winning too. Like that, that's, that's what makes the training in my opinion, um, some of it enjoyable because I think I wrote it one day, um, and I'll, and I'll, maybe I'll read it. Let me see if I can, how quickly I can find it. Um, but basically the concept of it was, was passion and, uh, okay. So I'll read it. So I, t- I was hunting one day and, uh, and a buddy of mine, I, I actually, it was about me, but the buddy of mine hit me with, he was texting back and forth and he wished he was like, Oh crap. Yeah. I screwed up. I should have done this better. And I, and I did something that I, I passed up a deer that probably I shouldn't have passed up. And then, you know, you're sitting in the stand going, gosh, I wish I had a redo of that last 10 seconds or whatever. It is. <laughs> and then, you know, and I started, I thought it's like, ah, that's kind of a sissy things to say. Like, oh, I want to redo. And I was like, ah, that's, 
And I thought about it, and, and again, and I caveat this, if, if you're sitting in a tree for 12 hours a day for a week straight, you go somewhat insane. So I end up taking notes about what I'm thinking. Um, and so I, I wrote, it was basically on redos. I said, redos are okay. In fact, if you're truly passionate about something, you pray for redos. Everything else can be taken in stride, but your passion? Redos are the juxtaposition of regret, expectation, and fantasy. If you lose, you have to, you have a long, you long to have that day, play, or seconds back to try again. If you win, you do anything to ride that ride again. It's the addictive nature of passion. Every outcome propels you to into the next challenge, faster and faster, until you are lost of lost in a sea of flashbacks and flash forwards. And that's kind of how I view all my passions. You you do them so much where, regardless of the outcome, you wish you had another chance to do it again. If you win, you're like, I I want to hit that winning shot again. If you lose, mm -hmm. give me another chance to that to make that shot again. So now I'm in flashbacks of thinking what I could have done better and flash forwards in my planning and training phase to an extent where life just becomes back and forth, back and forth. You're just driving the ball forward, but you're always planning to how to make the best outcome. And the stuff in the middle is my opinion, what they call life. Like that's kind of exactly. where I've landed on. So no, sorry, I, that was I love that. <laughs> No, no, I, I love that. And thank you for sharing that. I mean, that, there's some, you know, I haven't sat for whitetail yet. Um, that's something that I'll probably end up doing this year. But, uh, you know, I, I can imagine. And haikus and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but no, it, it, I can imagine going a little insane sitting there and you probably go through either so many books or I hear so many different strategies that people have. Um, and I, I can't, I'm not ADHD, but I can't sit still and, you know, I'll, I'll be thinking about, man, I could be lifting weights right now, or I could be doing this. I could be bettering myself here, there, the sure. other. And so I can only imagine, uh, I, I'll probably be one of those people that takes notes as well. So I, I that's right. cool that you shared one of those intimate moments. I appreciate that because yeah. it's so true that, you know, we just want, that's why we keep going back. That's why even when we bow hike for a whole season, you know, and don't end up tagging out. We come back for more the next season and even more right. passionate and more fired up. I, I went through my own transition as well, where at first I was like, oh, it's okay if I don't tag out. And then I realized like my competitive nature after that one season of saying that I was like, no, no, screw right. that. Like I'm pissed, yeah. man. <laughs> and even yeah. if it's a doe, I want right. to tag you out. Wanna, I want me to have that phase where you learn and gather information and, and onboard. But after a while you're like, okay, let's, let's take off the the, the net or the, or the training wheels. And in my opinion, that is like somewhat of an expectation. Like let's take off the training wheels. That means like I expect to start having some success in some semblance of time now. And if you don't, you probably need to start changing strategy or I've seen people like they'll do the same exact thing every time. And I'm like, you, you don't see how you're, you're, you're hitting the wrong button each time. <laughs> like it's after you hit the wrong, you know, I, I have a buddy, he had a, he had a stand where he was getting bucks on it every day, except the day that he would hunt it. And he was just like, man, just kind of unlucky. And I go, maybe the wind's wrong for that spot. <laughs> every time you sit it, they don't come out. And every time you're not there, they're there. I don't know. Let's run the numbers. I'd say <laughs> you're the problem. Yeah. Yeah, and that's okay. But it's like, okay, then how do we solve that problem then? And that was the mm -hmm. same thing with, with weightlifting or competing was 
hey, every time I do this exercise above this percentage, my back goes. Then I'm stupid if I keep doing this, if I'm competing in a sport that I need my back to be intact. So mm -hmm. you start tweaking things, but I think that's a part of the evaluation process that we have to have in everything we do and be okay with, you know, I said, Brandon Lilly said, you know, don't remain dogmatic in the face of alternate information. Okay, well, at some point if I say, you know, Romanian deadlifts are the best exercise in the world, okay, great, but going to full range of motion all the way down to the ground, because that's what the exercise says it is, I learned after about the fourth back injury, my back doesn't like me doing that. So I go right until I start getting lumbar bend and uh, I'm fine. I can stay very strong, but without doing this, but it was, it was, yeah, I had to come to the realization to stop bashing my head against the same wall and just change something and then have a better result um, later. But that, that's the, that's the fun of it, right? That's the, uh, exactly. Exactly. You know, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. So I, I coach uh, my kids teams and, and this was during a soccer season and, um, and that's kind of when I had the realization because I was trying to do the whole like it's okay to, to not tag out kind of thing kind of preach that message a little bit like go out and enjoy it enjoy the experience and then it, it dawned on me when I had a kid because um, the way I coach is you know you want to win even at that age I kept score the kids keep score they want to know the score right all the parent or I, I can't say all of them but most of the parents were like oh don't worry about it. it's okay it was a good game and I'm like, I want these five and six year olds to get better. Like they're not going to be all stars, but I right. want them to get better. And they naturally are competitive. And so they were asking me to score. They were sad when they lost. They were happy when they won. You know, sure. it's a natural thing. And so I wanted to encourage that. Well, we were sitting there and I want to say it was, it was a halftime kind of little huddle thing. They were getting their oranges and water and stuff. And uh, one of the kids asked, because we were beating the other team pretty bad. And, and so the kid was like, well, we can start playing a little bit nicer. And I looked at her and, I, and one of the parents saw or heard me because their reaction was <laughs> hilarious. But I, I looked at her and I said, no. So you don't have to be jerks and rub it in their faces because that's called being a sore winner. But I want you guys to get better. And if they're not playing up to that, then I'm sorry, but I want you guys to get better. And it kind of dawned on me after that in my own mind. It was funny how kids teach us stuff sometimes right. where I was like, I need to apply that to hunting. Like there's going to be people out there, a lot of people out there that are, that are like, oh, it's okay if you don't tag out or, you know, that participation trophy mindset, which I loathe. And I realized I was kind of preaching that I was like, no, right. that's not okay. <laughs> so, right. Uh, because but, the intent has to be to succeed. You might, mm -hmm. you, you could be, I wouldn't say okay with not succeeding. It's not all that it is, but it, in my opinion, you shouldn't be okay with it. There should always be an action step that a, a, a different action step that follows it. Or if it wasn't really to score points in soccer, that literally changes the entire intent of the game. That changes the play structure, that play that changes the whole reason you have certain positions. It changes everything. So like you have a whole circle field. You don't need a rectangle field. You could just play in circles. You don't need a goal. If that's what you're gonna do, <laughs> exactly. like if that's the case, why am I even taking arrows with me? You know, mm -hmm. like why do my broadheads need to be sharp? I don't know. It's just like so you you can't really play both cards too well i shouldn't say that but like you get what i'm saying like yeah yeah you kind of gotta go hey I, i'm going to do everything in my legal power and effort to succeed if i don't what what kept me from succeeding so i could win later you know in my opinion again no, people can exactly. very well disagree with me but that's just how i see it
No, definitely. And I mean, again, enjoy, enjoy the process, but also sure. you want to have that outcome. So I, I like what you're saying at the beginning as well about there needs to be some kind of middle ground where you're not just all in it for the outcome, mm -hmm. but also you're not just all in it for the experience. Like there needs to be an right. in between and, and, you know, just kind of finding that balance. Some people may be more driven by, some people are driven by mass in antlers. Other people like points, other people like how many tags they filled in a year. Like it's just, yeah. it, it all like the, the success is defined by the person and it varies. Cause one thing yes. that may get you going an animal that you're like, Oh dude, that is amazing. For me, I'm, I may be like, nah, I, I highly doubt that at this point in my high hunting career, like anything with antlers for me, I'm like, I should have worn my, my uh, fill in the freezer shirt. Cause a uh, wild arrow makes <laughs> one that's got a, a spike elk. And it's like fill in the freezer, you know, <laughs> oh, so or uh, an, another one that's a doe and it's got, you know, like trophy ears. Look at those trophy ears. You know, like for me, that's <laughs> like, as long as there's meat in the freezer, that makes me happy. Yeah. But, um, you know, and eventually that's the goal, then great. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. But be, I think everyone needs to be honest about what the goal is. I mean, we eat a lot of deer. I enjoy shooting does for food, but I'll be mm -hmm. honest. I do it in the last week of the year because mm -hmm. my my intent and what I enjoy, what gives me the highest spike of adrenaline and dopamine, and then also what keeps me up at night, laying in bed, strategizing and figuring out ingress and egress places and wind conditions and thermals, ain't to shoot a doe. <laughs> Just be honest. It's to walk oh, yeah. up and grab some gnarly piece of bone that you can't get your hand around and go, holy cow, like this incredible animal and I are now sharing space and time that mm -hmm. I figured out somehow to get us as close as possible. And this worked like I get very excited about that. But I oh, also, yeah. yes, filling, filling a freezer is yes, that, that needs to happen. So. Exactly. But again, there's that balance, right? You're like, yeah. I know I can do that later. I want, that's not what gets your heart pumping. What gets your heart sure. pumping is all the strategy with the old buck or the yeah. bull, uh, you know, or if you're a sheep hunter, the sheep that you're going yeah. after, whatever it may be. So that, that's amazing. I, I wanted to kind of hear a little bit too, cause this, uh, it definitely didn't end up going the route that I was thinking. I love having <laughs> conversations like that because uh, I get to learn things that I may not have learned before, but I want to know a little bit about your transition. Cause you, I mean, the outdoors, has that always been a big part of your life? Um, yes. even from a young age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, uh, when I was two and three years old, my dad would take me fishing and he would pretend that he got us lost and I'd have to tell him how to get out of the woods. And I literally do it with my six year old son the other day. We were scouting awesome. deer and I was like, Hey buddy, daddy doesn't know where he's going. How do we get out of here? And then like, just to see, to push him a little bit and where he starts following deer trails, remember certain things. And I've been doing that since, you know, since pops had to pick me up over the mud puddles, you know? Um, That's awesome. And then, so I, I think I found last night I was, it's pretty exciting because I was I have some some mounted deer heads that are just not not what the class that I'll generally go after. I'll pass the size deer up all the time now mm -hmm. in my life, but you know early on I'd mount them because it was like you know the biggest one I killed or whatever. And <laughs> I found my first buck. I was the kid. They're upstairs in the attic, and then the kids were like, "Hey, I want to put a deer head in my room." I was like, "Well, we got a couple up in the attic you could you know put up there." And I found my first one from 19, October 11th, 1992. It says first buck. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And so, you know, I mean, I, I look at old picture of me. I'm a little kid, you know, young and everything. I was like, man, I was just as excited about it then as I am at 46. I'm just more reps. I'm a little bit better at it. I have more opportunity. 
but I'm pretty happy that something that I like couldn't stop thinking about at 14 or 15 years old at 46, it's probably worse if anything (laughs) (laughs) right it's 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 gotten worse yeah yeah so i feel feel very fortunate that the things i'm into i'm into you know Mm -hmm. it's pretty simple so oh for sure so and i want to ask about that because there's a lot of of dads that listen to the podcast and are part of the audience um i love hearing how everyone either got experience getting into the outdoors how their parents um you know got them into it and then how you as as a father are doing that as well because so just just the example you gave if I tried to pull that on my eight-year-old and say hey dude I'm lost like can you help us get out of the woods he'd be like dad really like that's kind of his reaction like I'm not yeah (laughs) I can't say that but my son is going to be a future lawyer one day he likes to argue everything and he he, he's a little too smart for his own good but yeah he would that's the reaction I would get he's like dad really come on I know you're my, not my eight-year-old like, daughter. My eight-year-old daughter would call me on it as well. Yeah, my <laughs> six-year-old little boy. I think he just likes playing along and thinks it's fun. So I think you got to okay. do, do that move a little earlier. Mm, yeah. Um, so, so but how do you how do you get your kids involved like that? For example, without the fights, because I'm sure sometimes they just want to be at home. They don't want to get out in the cold, whatever. Um, what What are some strategies that you have that that have worked? Yeah, that's interesting because I've, I've kind of, strangely enough, you would think that I've had a really easy go of it being that, you know, I come, I'm hunt a good bit. My dad's a big hunter and collect, you know, weapons and all the other stuff. Um, I, I think how Pops did it with me was interesting. I saw the power of it. I think good storytelling is a huge part. Kids like stories. They like visualization. And I remember as a kid, you know, I'd be driving around with my dad and he would just tell me hunting stories all the time. And so my little mind held, put value on that. I would hear these stories and I, I would hear these stories of adventure. And I was all into like adventure stuff when I was a kid. So I wanted adventure also, like, and I held that in high regard and high value, courage and, and you know, and, and, and being brave and, and being tough and all the things like that a little boy kind of wants to be like those stories were illustrating those things and of course like in many many little boys they want to be like their dads and so he imprinted that stuff where i wanted to have stories of you know all these cool hunting stories and so i want i just longed for that so he would tell me the stories to where i could tell you every single one of those stories verbatim because i've heard them a million times actually what I asked and so I'll even put it out there I'm looking to have my dad tell this all of his outdoor stories and I want to find someone who will um, he could just tell them the stories and they could dictate it and make a book and that's why I want to leave like my dad to leave my kids the story of their granddad all of his wild stories and like as a gift to them so i'm looking for an author that could like write it up and edit it and stuff like that so if someone listening hit me up because i'm literally looking for this right now that's amazing um so i've tried to do the same thing so like this past weekend we were in the cave and but the boys are starting to get into hunting and 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 so i'll back it up so i told them a lot of stories i showed them a lot of pictures i'd buy books we'd go over things and they got all in animals that way and then I would take them on dates. So I'd take them on individuals. So I was like, hey buddy, you know, you got a date with daddy today or my daughter would or whatever. So I would sometimes take them hunting and, but you try to set them up for success where you're only sitting a short period of time. You have a high probability of seeing some things. You go out and eat a Cracker Barrel after that. And you make sure you paint their face, do all the fun stuff. You bring snacks, you bring 
So try to make it positive experiences without too much, you know, crazy. Thankfully, we were successful a few times, so they enjoyed that. Um, and then, but strangely enough, my 10-year-old, only probably four or five weeks ago, maybe less, he just told me one day, he's like, Daddy, I'm not really into hunting. I don't really like it. And like the little, my heart just sunk, you know? And he's just like, yeah, and I'm not really into guns either. And you're just like, it's like, I'm thinking like, wow, I was, you couldn't have pulled me away from that as a kid. You know, and he literally put his arm on me. He was like, like, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm sorry. And I was like, no, we're good, man. I was like, hey, whatever you're into, as long as you're passionate about it and you go after it with full force, I'll support you whatever. That's okay. If, and, but I asked, I said, why do you think, like, why do you feel that way? Just so I understand. And he, you know, he, and it was interesting. He started saying stuff about like, well, you know, the, the animals we're hunting are, are endangered and this and that and the other. And I go, okay, you've literally been fed misinformation. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I started looking at some of the magazines and things that he were reading, and I hate to say that mm-hmm. some of them were narrated in an anti-hunting saying that you know just legitimate falsehoods, like mm-hmm. that there was a shortage of deer in South Carolina, and I'm like, wait, wow, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like this is just pure lies that they're being told. You're like, you're like you want to call the car insurance companies and ask them about that, like. <laughs> Exactly. And so it was kind of interesting. We started talking about it and then he was like, well, I don't want to hunt. And I, I said, well, okay, but it was kind of funny. So like almost having a conversation with an anti-hunter adult I was mm-hmm. having with my 10 year old son who grew up, he eats deer or elk six days a week, which is bonkers because he loves it. I said, well, buddy, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you think we, you know, we get our burgers that you like so much? He was like, well, well I mean, you don't have to hunt it. I go, how else are you going to get it? He was like, well, I mean, that's different. Like hunting is different. Then you could see like the the, the tumblers mm-hmm. falling in place. And he's like, hmm. like oh, what I've been told by whatever isn't accurate. So that was like the first step. And then I was, but he still kind of wasn't into it. And his little brother, I took him. I, I I don't really care too much about duck hunting. I'm liking it now. But we have a little pond on our farm, and I knew some wood ducks were going in there and. Anyway, so I took my littlest boy duck hunting one day. I said, let's go duck hunting. He's, he thought it was pretty cool. He's my hunter. We went there. We killed a banded wood duck day one, which is, I assume, awesome. pretty rare. Um, so anyway, we get that. We come home. He, the little boy, my little guy, is just losing his mind, thinks it's the coolest thing ever. He had a date with Daddy. We had, you know, we had decoys. There's boots. They're splashing around. There's ducks. <laughs> shotguns. There's blinds, there's all the we're forts basically, you know, the whole thing. So he sells it to his older brother. He's like, you gotta go do this. This is great. You gotta do it. So we take him the next week and he thinks it's awesome. He loves it because there's action and there's this and that. And so what I learned was, oh, he just didn't like deer hunting because he had to be sent free. He had to be quiet. I yelled at him when he was loud because he's a kid and he's constantly <laughs> loud. So I, the stress level that I was putting on, unfortunately, was making him just not like it. And so mm-hmm. he was like, this kind of sucks. But when duck hunting, you're there for an hour, you see the sun come up, they're splashing around, there's canoes, there's like all the stuff a growing boy needs, you know? And then we shoot some ducks and we're sitting there laughing the whole time, eating candy bars, drinking coffee in the morning, and all those things. And then, so we get done with that and he's like, duck hunting is awesome. And then he wants to stay and he wants to build a blind and he wants to do all this stuff. And then I take him and we have a little tiny 22 
and I put a red dot on it, and he, his eye is left eye dominant, so he was having a hard time seeing down an iron sight, mm -hmm. and so that was frustrating for him. Every time I had him shoot, and he didn't like it. But I put that red dot on there, and then it was like, put it on the steel plate, let it rip, and then within like ten minutes, he was like, ka -dink, ka -dink, ka -dink, ka -dink, ka -dink, ka -dink. and it was like, so the success came up. So in one day, he mm -hmm. went from I build forts and get to do all this cool stuff. And I could shoot this little gun. And at the end of the day, he's like, Daddy, can I get one of those guns? So I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Three weeks ago, you said you didn't like hunting. You didn't like guns. And now, basically, every weekend, we're going and duck hunting and then shooting. And now he's like, okay, I want to get a hog gun. Can I, what can we shoot? And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. At, at 11 years old, it just took the right experience. And, and for me not to give up on it. And then to just keep curtailing it into ah, this is what trips your trigger on this. And maybe we won't duck deer hunt until you're older and you're quieter and all this other stuff. Maybe duck hunts and dove hunts and just going out and shooting cans is what they like to do. And that's fine. And it and it's not about me. I like big deer and stuff like that. Big stuff, but you got to be real quiet, mm -hmm. big game hunting. But it's their voyage. It's not about me. And so that's what I'm kind of learning. Like, hey, if I got to put on a set of waders and splash around the water every Saturday morning with them, great if i got to buy another 22 so he'll shoot and he's he shot first 10 shots he's like daddy can i do it again i said buddy i will load magazines all day for you if you want to do this and he just kept going kept going getting faster and faster now it's like he walked in the other night and he was asking me about different stuff he's like well, what, what's that gun you know what's what's this knife and what's this over here and well what about that deer over there and then so i got him i got him some deer and i put him mold deer and put him in their rooms and so like literally within the last two or three weeks it's like the interest levels ramped heavily so i'm very very excited but I, you know i just told the full story of how we did it but it's i guess the answer is it's it's whatever it takes <laughs> like you yeah. know whatever whatever each kid hits with because my littlest boy he was good with it from jump you know it was like hey let's go boom we shot a doe he's like this is great let's go all the time we was like okay but my older one that i really poured into trying to get him into <laughs> it he would rather talk about dinosaurs so well maybe you should take him alligator hunting <laughs> yeah I'm trying to do that. Uh, i tried to pull a tag this year because i wanted to take him alligator hunting because i think he would have lost his mind and he still will mm -hmm. if he go um so they, they all agreed that they would shoot a hog. So now we're one step closer. <clears throat> so just, uh, you know, little little micro steps. Because, I mean, yeah. as my dad put it, you know, he he told me years later, he said, I never threw the football or threw the baseball with you because I knew or I felt that even if you played in high school, whatever, past 18 years old, you'd probably never pick it up again. And then what thing we had in common we it'd be lost at 18 like you know um he's like i figured i'd get you into what i was into that way i could have a hunting partner for the rest of my life and i was like <laughs> that was good good idea like the, the implementation of that was fantastic you know so exactly. i'm trying to make sure i throw the baseball and football with my son now because i think that's important but also you know i want to make sure that you know when they're in college and they come home for the on you know when they come home for thanksgiving break that they want to go out and you know, getting a duck blind or sit in the stand with me or go on, you know, later in life, we go on hunts to Canada or Africa or wherever it is. Like those are dreams I've had literally, I've had dreams of having sons and daughters that I could do the outdoors with since I was literally their age. When I was 10 years old, I thought how awesome will it be when I get to do this with my kids one day. And so now I'm getting to live that out. 
the dream out. So I'm, I'm super pumped. That's really awesome, man. And I, I really like hearing that. So, cause a lot of people probably look at you and think, Oh, he's, he knows what he's doing and he's, which obviously you do, but uh, that your kids would automatically be into it and they would just really enjoy it. And that's not the case for probably a lot of uh, parents that hunt. Um, and I think it's exactly you hit the nail on the head. We don't even realize the pressure that we're putting on these kids to yeah. be quiet or this or that or the other. And I realized that too uh, with Asher, you know, taking him out and uh, we don't necessarily have, uh, I'm definitely not a bird hunter, um, but going out and, you know, I don't want to take him on these huge three, four mile hikes in Right. to have to hike it all the way out for him just to look for animals, right? That's not right. something that you want to force an eight-year-old to do. But when I can go up on the bench up here, 10-minute drive, you know, we'll hike maybe half a mile and we'll sit him down with nice, you know, warm jacket and all this stuff, and he can listen to the turkeys, you know, and watch oh. them with the binoculars, stuff like that where it's interactive. Um, mm -hmm. That's That, like, flips his switch. He loves being able to be interactive. He's got ADHD out the like worse, I think, than most most boys, but most right. boys have it anyway, uh, if you want to call it that. And so I, I think it's cool that that you shared that because I I, I love that you didn't just get angry, get upset, because obviously those are your big passions are hunting, lifting, shooting. And he was basically just like tapping the nail in the coffin there, just like hitting oh. all of them for you. All of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and but what I also realized um, few things I think you like you said with him you warm jacket things like that like I think you kind of you can associate a, another pleasantry with that thing which is like my kids learned that when we go hunting we either get to go to Cracker Barrel or this little restaurant JC's and they get biscuits and stuff after so they attribute like Pavlovian response like mm -hmm. this is going to be fun because I get to do this also or I get to take snacks in the stand and so like all this is like okay, there's this little reward system that's going on because I wanted to program a positive experience as that was happening. But what I also realized was I had been programming unwittingly a negative experience whether I took them hunting with me or not. When I took them hunting with me, the negative experience was I'm always in a hurry because I got 8 million things to do. So I'm like, okay, guys, get your boots. Where are your boots? I can't believe you don't know where your boots are. Dude, bring your binoculars. I got your binoculars. Where are they? You don't know where they are? And so, like, I realized I'm like, oh, I just yelled at them for 30 minutes because they're little idiot kids and they don't know where any of their stuff is. And I was like, get in the car. Let's go. It's getting dark. We got to go. You know, and then they get there and then they're loud and I yell at them in the stand to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, he's such a great dad, right? And then mm -hmm. and it might be cool if we get a deer, then they get to like check it out and whatever. But I think they came to the realization was the stress wasn't worth the, the other side of it. Like the, the, the juice was not worth the squeeze for them. But then I also, I hate to admit it, my passion pulled me away from home so many times. My oldest also t told me, he goes, but yeah, during the fall, you always go hunting and you leave so hunting to him was daddy leaves mm -hmm. so it sucks and mm -hmm. i was just like oh crap you know i'm trying to like live out my dream but also try to you know influence you guys to go chase your dreams and go dare to do mighty things and i'll bring you with me and all these cool stories and then my son was like yeah, that's all cool and everything, but like you didn't hang out with me Sunday afternoon because you went and sat a stand. Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, yeah, but I asked you to go with me. He's like, yeah, but I didn't want to go. 
So then I'm like, okay, buddy, if you don't want to go, daddy's going to go, you know, it's November 15th is the rut I'm going, you know? And then, so he just saw it as it's either stressful or it sucks, (laughs) you know? And I, I had to come to that realization. So that, that hurt because that's a, that wasn't a him problem. That was a me problem. Yeah. And I've, I've been there a hundred percent, even, you know, even just yesterday going out to shovel snow, uh, you know, my, I, I gave him the option. I said, you can either go clean up downstairs or shovel snow. We had people coming over for my middle son's birthday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we just needed to clean up, you know, prep the house a little bit. And, and, uh, and then I, I started to get into that. Like, how do you not know where your boots are? What do you mean? You don't know where your jacket is. Like, you're in your mind you're like i've told him a million times the coat closet's here the boots go here so for this reason we don't have to spend 30 minutes looking for your stuff right (laughs) but it still happens regardless and so i i I love that you pointed that out because i I think that there's there's a lot of people out there i know for me it takes a step you know me taking a step back and realizing look maybe i just need to program an extra hour to half an hour before I really need to leave so that I'm not stressed because I want to get out there. Cause in my mind, I understand either the sun's coming up or it's going down. That's not changing. You can't negotiate right. with that. And right. so to be able to program that extra time in, because you know, that's more like, that's something you can control is right. your, your emotions, your stress level and putting that on the kids. I think that's so, that's so key. And I, I definitely notice a difference in my kids being able to get them out there nicely. We have good conversations on the drive over versus the quiet drive over because they're stressed and you're pissed and you're running late and they don't understand why you're mad and you know, all that good stuff. So, yeah. And it's, and it's astounding that it took me so long to realize that. (laughs) Um, it's very embarrassing. Um, it's interesting. Something we've implemented recently. Um, we usually get the kids out. They have to be out of the house, like whatever, seven, 25 so we usually get them up at six o'clock and so and you know as a guy i'm sure much like you i could i could take a shower eat breakfast and be out of the house in eight and a half minutes probably like mm-hmm. it's, it's ridiculous how fast guys could get ready although i also don't care what i look like so that helps <laughs> so <laughs> um but so we get the kids up at six and they're I was going to say three of those minutes for you is the beard prep, right? No. Uh, there is. That's just getting food out of it, basically. So, um, so we get them up at six and they're like always tired. They're always whining. Literally, my little boy will fall on the ground and start crying in his room because he's so tired. And it's this emotional mm-hmm. event. And then all, then they're jacking around and it gets to the point where we're having to start barking at him. Get your this. Get your that. And it mm-hmm. creates the exact same situation as taking a hunting every single day. So I told my wife, now they don't like, want to go to school. They don't want, they don't to, want to learn to school. You know, school's a bad this, experience. Yep. It's, it's just sets us up for failure. And so I was like, all right. I told my wife, I was like, she's like, they just, I think they just need more sleep. They need more sleep. They just, they're, they're just worn out. And I go, I'm getting them up at five tomorrow. And she's like, wait, no, I go, I don't know. I just, I think, that if we go way slower with an extra hour, I could literally play with them. We could wrestle on the floor. We could read a book. I could play Star Wars with them. We could talk. We could. I could lay in their bed. I could. You. He could. One of them could read a story to me. I could like check. Ch- you know, check in with my daughter. See what's going on. It's like, I think that will set us up for better success, just kind of an hour to screw around as a family. And if it turns down the volume on the stress, I have a feeling there's going to be a better outcome. Mm -hmm. 
immediately the kids are like, they're like, Daddy, will you get me up again five o'clock in the morning? And I'm like, okay. Next morning, we did it next morning. Third morning, we like, well, they need some sleep. We let them sleep to like 6.15. We got them up. All three of them were pissed. They're like, you didn't get us up? And I'm like, uh, y'all need to sleep. They're like, yeah, but now we're going to have to rush. And I'm like, oh my gosh. A six-year-old realized that extra time is valuable. So now like we're getting up earlier, but it's actually great. And, and my wife's like, well, what's going to happen? We're going to lose. I go, eventually everyone will just go to sleep earlier. Like mm -hmm. it'll, it'll, it'll hash out. But oh, we're yeah. like in it right now where the kids are like wanting to get up earlier, which I thought is bonkers. And it all actually occurred from duck hunting, going back to that. So my little boy, we get him up at six. He cries, freaks out, falls on the ground, loses his mind. We got up to go duck hunting at 5 a.m. I said, buddy, I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to wake you up at 5 a.m. I don't, we got to be quiet. We don't want to wake up your sister. This is a thing like this is big boy stuff. If you can't be a big boy, I'm not going to wake you up tomorrow morning. We're going, we're hunting. He's like, okay. <clears throat> and I didn't know how he was going to react. So I snuck into his room and I just put my hand on his shoulder like that and just kind of pressed down just, just a little bit. Didn't even shake him, just pressed down. And he, uh, he did like this and looked at me and he just went, he, he looked straight in my eyes and went, got down, <laughs> put his clothes on, dead silent. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like there's special operators that don't get up like that for an op in the morning, you know? And then he was super cool downstairs, all the stuff on, he'd already laid out. And I'm like, buddy, he goes, oh, I, I, I'm excited about duck hunting. I want to do this every day. I go, ah, so it's the attitude. It's the, what do you want to do scenario? And then one day he, after a couple of days of it, he was just like, if we just get up like we're going duck hunting, I'll get up fine. And I was like, all right, let's try to do it. Darn if that didn't solve it. It's just like, you've <laughs> got to be kidding me that just getting up earlier is the key. And it might not be the key mm -hmm. a week from now, but right now that's, that's the, uh, the kind of the, the cheat code right now is, but we're actually having nice conversations at breakfast and like no one's yelling at each other to get ready because there's a bunch of time. So mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe that's something that other people have experienced to be a positive thing. Mm -hmm that they've done, or if you haven't tried out, let me know how it works. Cause I'm still, yeah. To well, no. And I mean, yesterday even, no Saturday. So we had gotten my, uh, my mom loves penguins and we've got the aquarium here in Salt Lake cool. city. And so they've got a, a penguin feeding event that you could, you know, purchase and, and whatever they give you the food for it. You can go sit down, the penguins come up, eat out of your hand, etc. And, um, and the kids were really excited. So we got it for, you know, my mom, stepdad and the kids and uh and so they were getting ready for it and asher the eight-year-old um he just started breaking down just like i don't want to go i don't want to this and that and I, I just pulled him aside pulled him into the office here and i was like dude what's going on like you were really excited about this and he was like i don't know i shouldn't want to go i said are you feeling overwhelmed he's like yeah mom asked me to do three things in a row and it was like get your shoes get your jacket get a water bottle <laughs> you know, and for us, we're like, what do you mean you're overwhelmed? But like for him to just sit there and just like take a second and be like, I need to do one thing at a time, you know, and mm -hmm. for him, that's a big deal. And so like I, yeah. I was able to cue in on the fact that he felt overwhelmed, even though sure. I, I don't necessarily feel that way about those three items. Right. But for him, <laughs> an eight year old, it's a big deal because he doesn't know where either of those three items are. So you just threw a big old, you know, mountain of things to do on his plate when he thinks he's got like right. two seconds to get it done. And so, yeah, so he has limited time to do something mm -hmm. that he knows he has three opportunities to be yelled at for. 
Mm-hmm. That's probably exactly. how his little brain saw. He's like, okay, stressor getting yelled at, stressor getting yelled at, stressor mm-hmm. getting yelled at, and five, four, three, two, one, go. Here it is. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's, yeah, you exactly. start looking at it in those ways. You're like, oh man, yeah, you start decoding it. Wildly stressful. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So that's crazy that you know you you've got the same experience with your kids in in different scenarios because. Yeah, the morning the mornings can be the same way, and I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that have that same experience. That's going to be gold for a lot of people out oh. there, just to hear. You know, maybe you got to get up a little bit earlier. You got to make that sacrifice as a parent if you're not already up early. I'm assuming you're an early riser. I don't necessarily like mornings, but I get up early so I can get my workout in before work. You know, things like yeah. that. So, um, you know, it's just kind of the necessary evil. But uh, yeah, yeah, what we're that, trying to do with that little period of time is is to not always have it work you know, oriented, have it a little bit more kids oriented where if they get up, like I will play at least for 10 minutes with them on what they mm-hmm. want to do. And so that little, little carrot dangling in front of them is like, Hey, but here's the thing. If you lay in bed and you don't get up on time and we have to go down to the old thing, realize that 620, the stress train starts. So if you want to <laughs> get up early, you can enjoy fun time. The stress train is starting at 620 regardless. Or you could front load it and already be ready and everything. And then we just cruise right on into when we get in the car and hey, isn't that fun? You know, exactly. so they're starting to we're trying to start a program for that, which again, we're still at ground zero. So we'll see. Yeah, actually. no, but that that's awesome. That's cool. And I also liked that you were mentioning, you know, when you were a kid, you pictured yourself with your own kids. Um, that's something that, you know, growing up, you always get asked, what do you want to be when you grow up and things like that? And like I had a list of like, you know, five things that I possibly wanted to be, which I'm none of them right now. And so <laughs> didn't pan out in any of those. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I want to be a veterinarian. I want okay. to be a pharmacist. And uh, oh, what was the other thing? I don't even remember at this point, but it was something along like the doctor route. You know, yeah, you're and, way uh, stronger than me. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> my, my things were a lot more idiot. I think as a professional skateboarder, a Viking, a ninja, a football player, and uh, I think that's about it. Well, you're a Viking and a ninja. I mean, you got the Viking beard and you're a ninja in the woods. There you go. You know, and I okay. and I and I make majority of my capital from football so yeah it worked out that, in that regard and i still have a skateboard so that's the yep. kind of joke about it like those are the first four things i ever wanted to be and i'm like huh i guess life turned out pretty good <laughs> yeah exactly no yeah i i had those and then i you know i weeded out the veterinarian because i was like if anyone brings in an abused dog like yeah. i would lose my shit i would not be able to be professional about like i would take care of the dog and then i'd come out and beat the shit out of the owner because that just i would not be able to I just couldn't handle it. I don't know how people can handle yeah. that. Um, but, you know, stuff like that would, would just fly me off the handle. I didn't want to count pills all day. I didn't want to be behind a desk counting pills, you know, as a pharmacist. Sure. And then, um, you know, just didn't plan out. But I, I, I like the way that I am now so I can go out and enjoy the outdoors a lot more. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the podcast. I wouldn't have been able to start a podcast and chat with cool people like like <laughs> yourself and, and share these golden nuggets on how to be a better dad. Um, but no, I, I did always know I wanted to be a dad. That was one thing that my dad was a great example of, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, he's a man, he's got his flaws, but he always, always showed me how to be a good husband and a good father. And so for me, I was like, couldn't necessarily picture my kids, but I always knew I was going to be a dad. That was like a non-negotiable for me. So, um, it's cool to hear that, that you're kind of the same way. So, uh, 
you know, it's you you've had quite the journey and just kind of in a nutshell, you went from kind of being a an okay athlete and I heard your that's, story that's on, a, on the elk shape. Stretch. <laughs> yeah, well well you were in in college, right? You were saying an okay athlete in, in college and track. I was and okay randomly in high, I was I sucked basically in high school. I was at best okay in high school. Which is best. still better than most people, but we'll go. We'll, we'll say that. Okay. And, and then yeah, you, I, I was, yeah, I was okay at best. But anyway, uh, yeah. And then in college, I started out suck, and I ended up good. Yeah, and you just again, you you took uh, door. So just kind of the the brief kind of overview of the story was you you went into an open gym workout. And it was not an open to... gym workout. It was that that would actually sound like we were meant. I was meant to be there, or oh. welcome to be there. <laughs> you snuck into a gym that wasn't yeah. being checked very it's, well. It's, it's like it's like a breaking and entering isn't an open house. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not an open house thing that is scheduled. Uh, so, you took it as that though. It was an open invitation for you. <laughs> uh, that's that's ish. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> ish. Um, Timestamp wasn't right, but um, no, my my dad. I, I was in college and basically just screwing around, being an idiot. And um, we had built the weight room at South Carolina at, at the athletics. I called my dad. I said, "Hey, I know we built the weight room down there. Can I get in to work out?" He called the strength coach. He said, "Yeah, as a favor, I'll let your son train after all the athletes are done." I think it was like five or six o'clock p.m. I'm 17 years old at the time. I'm a freshman in college, so you have like no concept of time or details. <laughs> so that's where like the lack of like open invitation to like, I just was like eating a burrito. I'm like, I'm done, I'm gonna go work out. So I just went down there like two o'clock and, and uh, two o'clock at a college athletic um, weight room is pretty busy. So I just cruised in there, it's first week, so no one like could, it's kind of like walking into a convention hall. Like you don't stick out, right? You look like everyone else. So I just walked over and started lifting weights and no one asked me anything. I didn't have to check in. No one asked me to sign a waiver. Like it's literally like, if you think about it, that would be like walking into a stadium and like putting on pads and just running out into football practice. That's the equivalent of that. And you're like there for a while. And everyone's like, who is that guy? Like, why is he here? He just tackled someone. What is he doing? Like, that's kind of like that. Um, so I'm just lifting weights and see some people standing in line. They're doing vertical jump testing. And it's like, oh, that looks pretty cool. I'm going to try that. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> and I went over and did a vertical jump. They gave me a piece of paper, too. It's like, oh, I don't know why I can picture. I can picture this. You were the, like the burrito wrapper still. You're like finishing up your burrito, doing some clothes. Oh, yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, that looks cool over there. Let me, let me wipe my beard out and go jump. You know, like, <laughs> like, there's like a stupid ride at a, at a carnival that you don't have to like. I was like, okay. And they give me a thing. And I'm like, write my name on it. And then they, you know, I raise my hand and they do the thing. <laughs> I do a jump and I, he gives my number. I write it down. I'm like, oh, cool. And I just walk off with like this report card. <laughs> Not knowing what I was going to do with said report card. Uh, and then I look, I go over, I'm bench pressing and I look over and they're doing body fat caliper testing again. So I'm like, that looks cool. I'm going to check that out. <laughs> and again, no one called me on. Is that like how negligent we were in the nineties? Is that what that is? Like every, no one had any idea what was going on. 
So I walk over and and uh, I'm getting my I'm standing in line. I get to the guy, I hand him my sheet. I'm like, I don't know why I hand him my sheet. I assumed that's what I was supposed to do. And uh, he's he's like, all right, what sport are you? And I was like, uh, and I totally made up. Like I was like, ah, oh, track and field. I'm gonna walk on track and field in the spring. A hundred percent lie. Like I just <laughs> was saying this so this guy would stop talking to me. And, um, and he was like, oh, really? What event? And I'm like, why does this guy give a crap what event? Like, uh, shot put in discus. Like, because I had done it in high school. I was not good at it. But at least I knew enough I could talk myself through it and out of him talking to me anymore. He was like, yeah, how far did you throw? And I'm like, what the f-? Like, And I told him. And he's like, that's not very good. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It wasn't very good. And he's like, all right, well, my name is Larry Judge. I'm the throws coach at South Carolina. Um <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit, in my head. I'm just like, <laughs> one dude you couldn't have lied to. You know, it, it would be like the equivalent of like walking into an archery event and like saying that you were like a bow hunter. And then like John Dudley's like, oh, hi, John Dudley, nice to meet you. Like, you're like, oh crap. You're like, you oh know? man. Oh, yeah, man. exactly. I picked the wrong guy. The wrong guy to BS on this one. Yeah, and uh, so anyway, he goes, all right, well, I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, and I was like, well, track's a spring sport. And he goes, well, no, it's not. Like, you're in college, and that's, it starts tomorrow. Train year-round. Yeah, train year-round. That's if you're in college now. I was like, oh, okay. And again, tried to BS, like, moonwalk my way out of it. You know, I was like, all right, coach, well, you know, I'll, I'll try to make it. And he just looks at me and goes, if you're going to be on the team, you will make it tomorrow. <laughs> like, this isn't like a, hey, I hope I see you around kind of thing, you know. And I'm like, oh, right, okay, cool. And I just walked out the weight room. I finished my workout, walked out of the weight room, and that was before cell phones, or before I had one. So I went back to the dorm and called my dad on the landline. He's like, how's your workout? I was like, I think I joined the track team. <laughs> and uh, as they say, the rest is history, I guess. So yeah. that's how yeah, I ended you can up go getting bird, my bird up and he's... What's that? I said, you can go look yourself up now, and now you've got some records hanging over your head, right? <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, that's bonkers. So, yeah, that, that was my awesome recruiting trip. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, I, I, but I fell in love with it immediately. I fell in love with not only the process, but I fell in love with the product. Because within four weeks, I'd already started hitting weightlift. Because, you know, the fall is like heavy into lifting. As a thrower, yep. you're lifting constantly. So I'd always wanted to be big and strong, but I was a, a late bloomer. So like, I just wasn't growing, but now I was in college and I had all you could eat. And I had this ridiculously difficult weightlifting routine. You know, I was a late bloomer. So puberty was starting to hit me harder. And so it's like every day I was putting on size and muscle. And so that was the product that I got addicted to. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. if I just train and do all the right things and do it harder and harder and harder, the results come. This is this is the economy I started working off of in my mind, which that's why I still feel so strongly about track and field and throwing and training because like it gave me everything. It gave me the realization of who I could be. It gave me, I could look at people and go, wow, that person is amazing and has something that I, that, that I think is awesome. And then the only thing that separates me from that same scenario is just time and effort. And if, and and it's just the the intensity of both, right? I like if I put a lot, a lot of effort in, the time is shortened. If I can only withstand this much effort because of my frame, my body, or whatever, it'll take longer, but I'll eventually get there. And so that started kind of accumulating in my mind. 
And, uh, you know, my fifth year, I was, I got my fourth All-American, um, won the SEC championship, set a record, team captain, like, like all the stuff, right? All the stuff that like the Disney movie you would hope would happen in your life. I was able to, I was able to ride that ride. I was able to go, wow, this shouldn't have happened. This was like, I mean, they called me Rudy because the movie Rudy had only come out like a year or two before. So they're like, <laughs> oh, no. I was like the little skinny dude that shouldn't have been there. And I was like, what if in the movie Rudy, he ended up like going to the NFL? Like that's the kind of the equivalent of what happened. I mean, I ended up going to two Olympic trials after that. So I look at it now and I, I, I didn't realize at the time how absurd it was, but now I look at it and go, wow, that was absurd. I, I, I'm glad I didn't know what I didn't know because at the time I just believed it was possible if I just kept doing it, but I also loved it so much. I loved the process of it so much that everything was on the table and there wasn't enough information out there to tell me that it wasn't really possible. So like, again, that's kind of how I look at everything, whether it's business or hunting or parenting or all that stuff is like, well, my, my formatting software in the pivotal point of my life was a, a high duration of heavy effort will get you what you want. Got it. That's the operating system. So, um, yeah, that was everything. Walking into that weight room that one day and being curious enough to start doing vertical jumps and freaking body fat testing. It's so idiotic that like, thankfully I'm, I'm just not very shy or I probably would have happened, right? Even every, right. if everything else was the same and I wasn't as curious, that wouldn't have happened. If I was shy, that wouldn't have happened. It didn't have anything to do with the physical attributes. It was just, if, if I would have listened better, and come at five o'clock, it wouldn't have happened. Like that's where I lo started looking at like how God had his hand on like, I'm gonna create this, the, all these planets are gonna line up for you this day. And all these things are gonna happen. And if you walk through these open doors, you will go on the journey of a lifetime. And it'll be incredible. And all these things will spring from this for the next 50 years, but you gotta go on that journey. And I would have never in a hundred years been able to write that story. And it's just, it's wild. Like I feel so blessed that that's what occurred. If you roll that dice a hundred more times, it doesn't come up that way. Hopefully something cool would have happened. I don't know. Maybe, maybe a better story. I don't know, but that's, that's my story. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. That's, and it's an incredible story because, and it's, it's cool because all those things did line up, but also, I mean, you're willing to put in the effort and you didn't just go in and just kind of show up. Once that door was opened, you were like, all right, I'm all in and you recognize yeah. the effort that it took to get you to that higher level of achievement. And it's, it's translated all through the rest of your life. I mean, it, you don't necessarily have to be as aggressive and, you know, as I guess, I don't want to say not manly because it is being manly, being a dad, but like you can't apply that aggression into the lessons that we talked about earlier with your son, but you also recognize you're able to take that same learning aspect of listening and and just understanding that here's a door that's being opened that he's going to remember these these things that you're teaching him about um, how to find the proper information on hunting or whatever even if he still doesn't end up wanting to go and do it he's going to have the information and know that dad's not going to be upset when you go to him and say something contrary to what you know dad loves you know right. you're going to be there for him and you're excelling at being a dad 
just as you excelled at being an athlete in, in uh, you know, at South Carolina um, and that and and beyond, you know, into the Olympic trials and everything like that. That's it's incredible that how that has altered your life up to this point. And then you mentioned um, just to kind of wrap it up here. There's so many other things I want to talk to you about, but, uh, you know, I promise you an hour. So um, yeah, we've whatever, got whatever it takes, what it takes. <laughs> well, you've got, I mean, and on top of that, you're achieving so many things with your beard. Uh, so, you know, but, but with being, I've being got for, it like five things today, it's great. <laughs> exactly. Right. So I, I don't think I'm going to go much further than this. Cause I just, I, I can't imagine it blowing everywhere and like trying uh, to draw is, your bow back. And yours is yeah, still no. a functional length. When I, mine is like, I cut a foot off of it probably. <laughs> three, four months ago when I, if I sit down and it touches my belt buckle as way, like that's when it has to get cut. Cause then it's a functional issue of safety. Um, but, but, uh, Jeez. I can't uh, imagine I you riding around in a side by side with it. Like, Oh, it's stupid at this point or in a boat. You're just like, it just sits in your face, which I kind of find it funny at that point. And it feels nice to be this part gets a little wind under there. What's that one? Was it Yosemite Sam or something that has like the, he has like the beard and he has to like, like oh, peel yeah. it open or something. Oh yeah. I, I would do that when, when we were COVID and you had to wear masks and stuff. I would, oh, just, I would just take my beard and like put it into my hat and I would just walk around like that with it. And just, and just to piss oh people off. It was just stupid. <laughs> yeah, That's awesome. Thing. Well, That's what, what I was going to get to is that you you were mentioned you're 46. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's pretty that's pretty impressive. I, I would have said maybe early 40s at the most. But uh, <laughs> the fact that you're still so functional, you're, again, you're, you're big into weightlifting, but you've transitioned your, your movement into – more of that longevity style rather than trying to push your body past um, limits and, and build like you were at, uh, at South Carolina. Um, how, I guess just to kind of wrap that up, how would you say, I'm trying to think of the best way to ask this question here, but what, what would be the best recommendation that you have for people that are looking for longevity, whether that be even with the outdoors or with their family, but longevity speaking, rather than trying to necessarily build up or be a bodybuilder or anything along those lines, what, what would be kind of some key tips that you would say for people, maybe even just getting into weightlifting at an older age? I, I'm big on consistency over intensity these days. That for me, now I have to also take it, that's from my vantage point. My vantage point being one of an enormous base of weightlifting. And so, mm-hmm. I can't, I, I'm not foolish enough to say, Hey, you know, you could just do a little bit every week. Cause sometimes my training sessions are 10 to 20 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> very rarely are they over 40. And so, but I have to remember through the nineties and the two thousands, my sessions were two and a half hours long with a lot of intensity. So I didn't lose a whole lot there. I'm still the same weight as I was when I threw hammer. So, right and I'm actually leaner. I just, it's just, I'm not nearly as functional or strong, but you know, but I think I found just a, a little drops of consistency for me <clears throat> at this age is much better if I throw the intensity high or the volume high without a proper progression up to that. I almost always get hurt or overtrained. I'm, I'm not overly durable. I've just found I'm very effective if I'm not hurt and I had to learn this in my sporting world it's like 
my my body has never been able to really put up with what my my heart and my brain could do like i'll always over over serve myself in the weight room and so i've tried to learn like consistency i'll do i'll do five 20 minute workouts a week versus three hour and a half ones because i realized that i have a chance if i do those little 20s and i could move the ball down the field versus being hurt in two weeks so um, I would use what I call streamlined hardship. So do basic movements. I do probably 50% of the volume that emotionally I want to do, if that makes sense. Now I just know me, you know, some people you have to kick them in the butt to make them go. If I have ability to go, I'm going to go, but I know that. So I'll just, I'll slow roll a lot of stuff for the for consistency stake because I see improvements when I stay consistent and when I eat well um, back in the day I would eat everything in sight but I was burning a zillion calories so now if I eat clean heavy protein like heavy protein reduce the sugar that's about the furthest I get into the diet world it's just pretty simple at this point if 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 you look at something you're like eh, I probably really shouldn't be eating this like you're right, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it may, maybe I've oversimplified it, but um, like for me, when I go five to six scrambled eggs in the morning with my supplements, water and coffee, and I don't eat carbs until noon or one, my body does really well. It likes it. Um, when I get seven, eight hours of sleep, it likes it. When I every 10 or 12 days, if I could get a long, like a nine or a 10 hour sleep in there to kind of catch up per se, my body responds like, um, but I, I would, I would do that. I mean, in my opinion, you're going to, you're going to want to do big body movements that work for your body, squats, deadlifts, things like that. But I don't think the volume parameters that most people would program are generally correct for people our age. I think they're, I think you'll overserve yourself. Gotcha. Um, I think like the CrossFit model, it, it's it's a bit spicy. For I I like I like the the, the idea of it, but when you start making something competitive, mm-hmm. um, you lose the process. And in my opinion, I'm, I'm not saying a 46 year old shouldn't be competitive, but make the process is what puts the the food on the table. You know, like right. we're all trying to to develop strength, not exhibit strength. If that makes sense. No, uh, yeah. So that that's kind of how I look at it. I do some just basic stuff, and I'm doing more hypertrophy training these days, just because I found I could get a, a a decent hormonal response while also keeping a decent amount of muscle on, without really frying my central nervous system that is already mm. being axed as a parent, as a business owner, all the other things. I've just had to remember like heavy squats are going to hit my CNS in a similar way as a 12 hour workday and a conference and stress at home and like all the other stuff and stress is stress. You have to manage that stress. So I like it. I like it. No, that's definitely uh and, and you, you are coming from a, a, you've got a big base, you know, a lot of people don't recognize that as well, that, you know, it all depends on little investments that you've put in over time. Um, and now you've got a bigger base that you can build off of, but at the same time, I think it is yeah. key those you know finding out what your goals are because your goals right now are not to be in the olympic trials your goals right now are again to be living longer enjoying the outdoors enjoying your family running a business you've got a bunch of other things going on so you want to maintain 
strength, but like you said, not necessarily exhibit it uh, like you did in your younger years when you right. were eating yeah, whatever way, and going strength, to. Yeah, in a way, my strength, I'm kind of living on interest right now, <laughs> like interest payment. I'm not really adding to the principle per se, like mm -hmm. I'm just kind of doing that. But then what I am doing trying to consistently is build my work capacity at lower level intensity, mm -hmm. which is hiking, rucking, things like that, because that is more what I want to exhibit on an elk hunt or something mm -hmm. along those lines. I mean, my sport was, you know, I lived three seconds at a time. Weightlifting and hammer throwing is three seconds or less. I was real good in that energy system. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that's the exact not energy system that I need to do what the things I want to do in life now. So mm -hmm. I've, I've just tried to transition that, but then there's, there's definitely, there's the functional side and there's the ego side. I like being big and strong. I just like, I do, that's something I hold in high regard. So there's a part of me that doesn't want to fully let go of, you know, yeah, can I diet down and run all the time and be super, super lean and be, I'm 6'3", but can I be 6'3", 205? And yeah, I like 235. I'd rather be a lean 235, I just feel better, right? I mean, call it ego, call it image, call it whatever, like this is more who I want to be as a person and I'll figure out how to make this work um, just, you know, in the sport that I've chosen. So, I mean, I think people have to be realistic about themselves as well. Some people just like being bigger and stronger. Some people want to be able to run forever. And some people like, I don't care as long as I can do whatever I want to do. I don't care what I look like, feel like, whatever. It's like, okay, cool. Then that's, um, that's a part of the piece too. So. Well, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, big part. talking about running forever, I was just looking. So I've got a vision board over here in my my home gym that I want to build out is very similar to Cam Haynes' setup. I don't want the CHs all Your over spot. my stuff, but <laughs> yeah. But uh, but no, it's it's uh, you know, it, and you guys built that out for him. You know, the Sornex sure Sornex crew. Yeah. So uh, for those people out there that are that don't know too much about Sornex, I definitely recommend you go out and just Google Sornex home gyms. And you'll see some of the most crazy, amazing setups. You've done them for John Dudley, um, Cameron Haynes, and many other people uh, with some cool Rogan, twists Jocko. to them. Uh, yeah. We're actually building Patrick Mahomes' gym right now. It's in the Really? Right now. That's so awesome. He, he got some neat stuff. So, yeah, it, that that's fun because then people are, you know, they want something super cool. And you get to, you get to flex a little bit on, like, the design and, you know, I enjoy those. And it's not that it's always has to be someone famous. It's just who's, who's excited also about the, mm -hmm. the art. I think we do strength art very well. Oh yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of the form and the function meeting, you know? And so that, that part is fun, but yeah, going back to like Cameron Haynes, <clears throat> Cam's just a freak. Like, <laughs> I mean, he, he just is like, he, he is, he is as he's built, man. Like, some people are like, oh, he's not that tough. He's like, bull crap. He's one that of the That dude is an animal on the on the mountain. And I mean, I've run Mount Pisgah. I call it run because I ran some of it. <laughs> <laughs> he got done and then came back down the mountain and like walked up with me. And I thought I was, you know, dying. And I remember him looking at me. And he was just like, you wonder why I do this every day. And I'm like, yeah, this is ridiculous. He goes, if we rounded that next curve and the bull of a lifetime, a 400 inch bull standing at 70 yards, could you make the shot right now? And I was like, probably not. He goes, that's why I do this every day. And I go, got it. 
Okay, you, yeah. you, have, you have decided what you wanted to do in life and you'll do it by any means necessary. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, exactly. he's, he's, he's extremely strong, he's a good shot. Like everything that Cam has gotten, um, you know, the legend of what he, his capabilities are. I haven't seen, uh, I haven't seen any smoke and mirrors on my end. So. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Well, I really appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on here, sharing that. I it it seriously went a whole nother. I was not even planning on talking about <laughs> kids and being a dad. It went on an awesome direction that I cool. I absolutely loved. Um, a good little twist, and I think people are really going to enjoy the conversation that we had. If they want to look you up and kind of Sornex stuff, but mainly yours and Sornex Outdoors, where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram pretty often. Uh, Bert Soren, B E R T S O R I N. Uh, Sorinex, S-O-R-I-N-E-X. That's our like main page with our you know athletic stuff that we build, our big big gym builds. Uh, and then uh, Sorinex Outdoors, we have some content there, kind of merging those two worlds. Sorinex Squattober, if you want free programming during October, um, that's the the worldwide squat party. It's been pretty cool. And then in December we do Sorinex December, which is also free programming on deadlifts. And uh, so we have we have a couple couple things out there that, that hopefully be assets for people. Sweet, awesome. I'll leave those links down below for everyone wanting to look them up. And again, thanks so much for being on here, man. Uh, guys, like I always say, get out, live your life, and love it. Thanks, Jonathan. Well, that was just a fantastic conversation. I really enjoyed speaking with Bert. Uh, he knows his stuff. He's had an amazing journey. It's interesting. I, I love that his journey kind of took a turn in college and then he just took that and kind of literally ran with it there with track. Right. <laughs> and then continued on to what his career is now. Uh, and also, like I said, at the beginning of the show, guys, this took a turn in a direction that I was definitely not planning. I loved hearing all the aspects of how to be a better dad, how to incorporate the outdoors with your family, how to not force your kids into it, even though those are your passions, uh, you want your kids to come to that conclusion on their own and how you can set that example and also not get upset when they may not necessarily want to be into the outdoors uh, at that time. They're going to go through different phases. So I love that. If you learned anything today, guys, if you gained any knowledge, had a good time listening to this conversation, whatever it may be, share the show. I really appreciate those of you that do. Uh, you send me you know, tag me in your stories as you post it, uh, leave a review as well. That helps more than anything you guys could do as far as the show growth between sharing it and leaving a review. I really appreciate that very much. It takes very little of your time, if anything, and it's free. So really appreciate that guys. Thank you so much for everyone listening. This, this continues to grow and it wouldn't be so without you, the audience. Thank you so very much. Now you guys go on the rest of the weekend have an amazing time with your family, your loved ones, your friends, make some memories, and of course, get out, live your life, and love it.